It's time now to slow down, take a deep breath, and consider the wonders of living with plants. Join us for an entertaining and an enlightening hour of Ken Drew's Real Dirt. Hello and welcome. It's Ken Drews, and you're listening to Ken Drews Real Dirt, the garden show. And square dance show. <laughs> well, the, you know, we're trying a little different music here. It's, it's fun. Fleck. It's lively. As long as it's not too plinky and plunky. And the other voice you're hearing is Vicki Johnson. I almost forgot your name, Vicki. How's that? <laughs> it's, it's that kind of weather. It is. And Vicki Johnson is a garden writer and the garden columnist for our our major local metropolitan area newspaper, and a garden book editor. And uh, I am Ken Drews, K-E-N-D-R-U-S-E. I'm the author of 16 books on gardening, uh, soon to be 17. Soon yeah. to be 17. Breathless. We're waiting. <laughs> it's like my books are graduating high school or something. <laughs> or something. Well, we, we chat. We chat about gardens and... Uh, Plants. If this is the first time you're listening to us, where have you been? <laughs> You have to be here. Well, you know, this new format, internet radio, it takes a little while for people to find things. Well, I'm, I'm happy that you're here listening. I, I love you for listening <laughs> to us. And uh, today we're going to talk about a couple of things that are on my mind and some things that are on Vicky's mind. We're going to talk about bamboo. That seems to be on a lot of people's minds. And uh, we are in the Northeast, but we're talking to everybody in the whole country. Uh, well, actually, the world. This planet, at least, right? Because yeah. I, th- I think we have listeners in Australia, and we have... I know Switzerland. Oh, Switzerland. Oh. Yeah. We've gotten fan mail from Switzerland. <laughs> uh, from a flounder? Fan mail from a flounder? No, we got email, right. <laughs> um, and I also... You're going to talk about some smelly ground covers, aren't you? Well, yes, they do have aroma, but that isn't what I love about them. But, yes, some, remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about some really great ground covers that perform well for me in difficult soil, in sun, and partial shade. Well, these are full sun, but, again, in difficult soil. So, anyway. You are the, you are the national queen of difficult sight. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I almost said difficult soil, but I think I've got difficult soil, too. In a different way. Well, you have sand sand and drains fast and all that kind of stuff. Uh, My friend uh, Heidi came to visit on Sunday, and she was looking at the plants, and she grows a lot of the same plants. Actually, I got a lot of them from her. And she'll have something that's four or five feet tall that is 18 inches tall for me. Well, does she have sunshine? She has sunshine, but she also pumped a lot of manure and a lot of compost, and she has very... She had a couple of problems from that rain we had. Uh, when was that? In May, we had like almost like a over a week of cold and rainy weather, and she was asking me about yellowing leaves on things, and the plants were fine. They just had some old yellow leaves, and I thought it was from that and because I have such great drainage swell, and my roses are like 18 inches tall. I see the same ones in Brooklyn that are four feet tall, and some of them are even alive. Well, you often talk about not only the sandy soil, but you don't have full sun at any one spot in the garden, I don't think. Maybe part of the gravel garden. Part Part of of the gravel garden. (laughs) Part of the gravel garden's full sun, and the driveway, which is useless, is definitely (laughs) in full sun. As you know, that's why you park across the street, which reminds me I have to get my cell phone out of the car. I melted it once. Well, that's why I park across the street. I have a dark-colored car, and there's shade across the street. Mm. And you have an email from a listener, too, you were going to talk yeah, about we're that? Yeah, we're going to read an email from a listener as a question for us. So, yeah, we have listener email. We're already talking about the weather. We have ground covers. Well, and some of these things that we're going to talk about are a little bit, I guess, negative. Actually, you know, this whole show is not going to be the, the happiest thing, because... When we're recording, uh, we record a little earlier in the week than the show is posted. And uh, today, the weather report said it was going to be 100 degrees. I'm not. I'm not hearing you. And please don't repeat yourself. I don't need to hear you. <laughs> uh, I don't want to hear that. I'm trying that to three-letter word. Bury hot. my head in the sand about the weather today. I've got sand. You heard that? <laughs> <laughs> Sandy soil. Uh, it's it's hot. And it's humid. 
Uh, but fortunately, we uh, I'm saying fortunately, we've had some thunderstorms every night. Uh, because if I was out there watering, whew. it was incredibly wicked last night. We got three over three over half an inch, not three quarters. No, over half an inch. I'd say in 15 minutes last night. So I'm glad it didn't stick around for an hour at that rate. Uh, but I, uh, my head is going to what could be worse, and I pictured hailstones the size of golf balls. Well, that's it. It really was the kind of storm where you expected hailstones to start plinking on the ground any moment and piercing holes in hosta leaves and knocking rosebuds or peony heads to smithereens. And if you're a regular listener, you know that we have uh, a new addition to the the radio family, Pippa the dog, <laughs> who heard thunder and who saw lightning and heard thunder for the first time in her entire life this week, and she don't like it. Yeah, most, well, my cat, one of my cats didn't like it either. Head for the hills, hide. I have a friend who has a big dog, a mutt. I think there's some boxer in her because she's tall and has that kind of coat you know that a boxer has she goes and sits in the bathtub when there's a <laughs> thunderstorm and my friend goes and sits with her you know because she wants to comfort her and she worries you know when she's at school teaching and a thunderstorm comes through she oh you know anyway what are you gonna do and now i feel bad every time there's the the on july 4th you know i want to Oh, oh I made the mistake when I first, when I had a dog, when as a grown-up person, I I would so stupid, you know, took the dog to the to the uh, the park, you know, the local park for the Fourth of July fireworks show, and we left early. Needless to say, <laughs> we Whoa. left almost immediately. I felt so bad. Anyway. Well, I, I can tell you a story the, of a friend of mine because it ends happily, but the dog was left. This was in San Francisco on July 4th, and the dog dove off the balcony but lived. <gasps> Second floor balcony. And I think uh, it like, broke a foot or something. Uh, anyway, so there's. let's all be mindful of that. So, okay, lesson to learn. If you have a new dog in the home, <laughs> 4th of July is coming sooner than you know. Um, be mindful of your puppy or new dog, your new adopted dog. We hope you rescued a dog like Ken did. But be aware, you know, if this is your f first time with experience of, with fireworks or lightning and thunder, you might need to help your pet through that trauma. It's trauma to maybe them because the, they don't understand. Maybe really what you should do is like have fire, let off a firecracker every day so the dog gets... Desensitized? <laughs> I don't think so. Besides no? which, it's illegal in many states. Oh, oh. Okay, I could just clap my hands. I'm not going to do that. And no, no. You know, I'm thinking about it as I'm saying this because we, we uh, didn't avoid using the microwave and we didn't avoid using the dishwasher and because and she's gotten used to a lot of stuff. Well, anyway, it was also heartening to me because when she was frightened of the thunder and the lightning, who did she come and stand next? Aw, you. And are whose it. chair did she sit under? Yours. Yeah, well, I could live without that. But yes, no, no, I mean, it's great, but I don't want her to be frightened, is what I meant. <laughs> well, but at least I mean, she feels safe with you, yes, and that's, that's what she was very, telling you. That's very good. Yeah. Um, well, now, m maybe you should begin with that email. We may not get through the whole thing before our break, uh, okay. but maybe you'll be able to read the question. Well, this is from Amy, who, thank you, Amy. She writes us frequently, and she's always really, really nice. She uh, doesn't just ask a question. Is Amy the one with the Cornus, Florida? Amy is the one who, a few weeks ago, we were talking about her her attempt to buy Cornus, uh, is it Floridus? Florida. Cornus, Florida. And <laughs> her local nursery person, who or she was shopping, said, oh, you can't grow that here. It's only for Florida. Well, they said they don't sell any plants for Florida. <laughs> but Florida, as we explained, that Cornus, Florida is the eastern dogwood. And Florida means that it has a lot of flowers, pretty flowers. So Cornus is dogwood and Florida is the local one. And you reminded me of another thing I was going to talk about today, which was my experience with the magazine. Uh, but she went to the nursery and she asked for Cornus, Florida. And she also wanted to get Calicanthus floridus, which is the Carolina spice bush. Uh, I think that's what it is, Carolina Allspice. And they said, oh, no, we don't have, we only have hardy plants. We don't sell <laughs> anything for Florida. Well. And well. it reminds me, because as you, as I told you this week, Vicki, 
I, w I did an article for a magazine which shall remain nameless, and they said, oh, we're trying not to use as many Latin names anymore. Well, that must have really pierced your heart. And, and my tongue when I bit through it. Uh, blood came running out the corners of your mouth. I, I am shocked. Because, you know, well, I didn't tell her the whole thing. But it, as we always say on the show, it's not just being a snob to know the Latin names of the plants. If you want to shop for them, if you want to find them, you really have to know their real names. Because a lot of the common names change from parts of the country, from state to state, from region to region. But a Cornus Florida is a Cornus Florida in Mexico and in Japan and in Saskatchewan and get me another country. In Switzerland, where we have a happy listener. And <laughs> in upstate New York, where I believe Amy lives. I think I got that right. Forgive me, Amy, if I'm wrong. No, I think you are right. So what does Amy write? She says, Dear Ken and Vicki, do you two know about this website? gardensalive.com and yes we both mm -hmm. do and here's why she's asking us she says I think my crab apple has apple scab I wanted to treat it in a way that is helpful to the environment and I came across the site so I was going to purchase sulfur guard unless my gardening advisors that's you guys uh -oh. say otherwise I dare not ask my local nursery for help remember <laughs> they're the ones that told me I couldn't grow calicanthus floridas here so so, Ken, I know of Gardens Alive. I get their catalog every year. I have visited their website on occasion. I have not ordered a lot from them. Have you? Is that part of the email? No, I'm asking you that. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a couple of places that I get organic supplies, mail order. One is Gardener Supply, and the other is Gardens Alive. In Gardens Alive, I'm not too thrilled with the way the catalog looks, and... Also, there's a few things that they have and they sell and they promote in a way that, well, they're not exactly, I'm not sure how to say it. It's hyperbolic, you know what I mean? They, oh, sure. It's like, it's like, remember the old newspaper that kids could sell called Grit? No. It's, it comes from that old time, hey, you know, attitude, buy my product, it'll solve all your problems kind of thing. Well, we're going to have a problem now. No, we're going to stop for a break, and when we come back, we'll answer this question, and I'll tell you about my experience with Gardens Live. Stay with us, please. Ken Drew's Real Dirt. As the world around us grows more chaotic each day, Ken Drew's reminds us to slow down, put a trowel to the earth, and consider the wonders and healing powers of the garden. In Ken's book, The Passion for Gardening, Drews meditates on the issues close to the heart of all gardeners, the notions of giving back and conservation, of taking risks, and the creative process of collaborating with nature and one's community. The Passion for Gardening, a book that nourishes a passion for life. Ken's books are available at your local library, independent bookseller, and on our website, realdirtradio.com. Tune in to Ken Drew's Real Dirt, the gardening show right here on WHDD-FM, with premiere episodes every Saturday at 8 a.m. and encore broadcasts on Sunday at noon and Monday night at 8 p.m. Hello, and thank you for staying with us. It's Ken Drew's Real Dirt. I'm your host, Ken Drews, and I'm joined by Vicki Johnson, and we sound cool, I think. Don't you think, Vicki? <laughs> considering? I think we're really cool. Well, considering I'm sitting in front of the fan, yeah. Yeah, and there's a dog walking around with a cigar in her mouth. Well, it's actually one of those chewy bone things. thingies. Yeah. Well, so if we hear a big clatter, it's Pippa again. I, I can, I've seen this look before. This is, I'm going to bury this. Oh, look. and she's searching the hardwood floor mm -hmm. for a place to bury it. Mm -hmm. And soon we'll hear, <laughs> scratch, scratch, push, push. <laughs> we need the babysitter to come downstairs, boy the cat. Oh, I know. Who has, but it's he, too hot. He's then go uh, to sleep. He's been giving her a real hard time, and she loves it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about getting organic products from two mail, mail order sources, uh, answering a question from, was that Amy? Yes. Good. Uh, good, because otherwise I'd have to fix that in post, <laughs> right? That's what they say. Um, 
I've used Gardens Alive, and I was talking about the catalog, and the catalog is hyperbolic, and it has uh, it's on newsprint stock, which is fine, but usually the cover has a ladybug on it. And that's the bug that gets me a little bit, because the buying ladybugs through the mail is a little bit of a... It's a little bit of a ripoff because when you get ladybugs that are refrigerated and you follow all the directions and you add a little water and you warm them up and they and you release them into the garden, they pretty much fly away. Well, the, you know, ladybug, ladybug, fly away home. And they home, do it. Home is Colorado. Uh-huh. So they're leaving. Or is, wherever. <laughs> well, they're usually, I think they're from Colorado. That's where they farm ladybugs? Uh, or where, I don't know. That's But anyway, so the whole idea of getting ladybugs, which is where the organic predator whole thing started, because everybody loves ladybugs, and the idea was great. So it attracts people to the catalog, and it attracts people to organic products, but it's and, not completely true. Well, and ladybugs do do good work, but the ladybug movement, if you will, got out of hand. And you get like 300 ladybugs, and maybe one's going to stick around. And they're not our local ladybugs, which we sometimes see. Uh, sometimes we don't because the USDA and all their brilliance released Asian ladybugs to help with agriculture, which they're now cutting back on in the state of New Jersey. But we have a lot of orange ladybugs. And, and that's all I see anymore. And they discovered that orange ladybugs like to live in people's homes over the winters. But I, I digress. <laughs> that's tangential, right? Um, so, so the Gardens Alive offers a lot of their products. Now, this year we have Gypsy Moth, and that's a caterpillar that is affected. You can control Gypsy Moth with a bacillus, and it's called BT. It's Bacillus thuringiensis. But I often wonder, where is this bacillus from, and how strong is this bacillus? It's kind of like uh, supplements, you know, what you get at the pharmacy or the drugstore or the supermarket. You don't really know. There's not a lot of quality control. So we have a three-prong approach on the caterpillars this year. The county sprayed from planes. Maybe that helped. I sprayed BT from Gardens Alive. Maybe that helped. And we had a lot of rain at just the right time for the virus or fungus, whatever it is that attacks these caterpillars, to knock them back. So I don't know which of these things worked, but the caterpillars are a little bit reduced this year. Well, I think the state spraying program must have had an effect because didn't you say neighbors heard or saw the planes fly I saw over? the plane. Well, and am I remembering correctly that one of the gypsy hawks uh, gypsy moth's favorite plants to eat is oak trees. Absolutely, top. Well, my friend who lives in the middle of a oak, woods full of oaks, right next to a wet, a protected wetlands, oh. was not sprayed. And I want to tell you, if you had not been this year, yes, if you hadn't been sprayed, you would be the house would be covered. And her house was literally covered. You could not walk across her driveway. Her swimming pool, which had just been opened, is full of dead. It's I've never seen anything like it. This year. This year. <laughs> this year. Wow. I thought. And there were, yeah, yeah, I mean, well, you know, I don't understand why they didn't get knocked back either because I had a problem early on in, the, in May. I was very nervous about it. And then I think the cool, wet weather helped knock them back mm -hmm. because I couldn't get my hands on BT early enough to spray it before I went traveling. But, and, I I think we get sprayed, you know, from the airplane, pro, um, the the state program yearly because I never have the problem, for instance, that you do, often. <clears throat> hmm. But um, visiting my friend, I was just astounded, and she was beside herself. I mean, it, <laughs> talk about well, a problem. she's our control then. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> in this experiment, it still doesn't let, let me know. Okay, so she had. She had the wet weather. And no spraying from above and no by the spraying state. And, no, and she didn't spray herself. Because the spraying from the state, you know, when, they, when they're spraying, and we watched it, when they come to the river, because we're on the Pollenskill River here, they do turn them off. They don't, and then they start it again. So I wasn't sure how, much, how effective that was. But I sprayed BT. So maybe the Gardens Alive BT really did help. 
because we have oak trees and we have leaves. Well, and another friend over in Stillwater, New Jersey, not far from where Ken and I both live and garden, um, she regularly has a service come in and spray her property, and she does not have the problem that you do. So I, th- I think the BT is an effective. Yeah, I was just wondering about how, you know, if you buy, where you buy the BT from. BT, I'm sure, works, but where do you buy it from and how how old is it? I mean, it's a living organism in some kind of... Well, yeah, I I don't know if there's sell-by dates on those things Really? Or not, but anyway. Well, I'll tell you something else. There were not good instructions with this, and there were some danger-hazardous... Uh, I, I have to be specific because there's warning, there's... Caution. Caution, caution, I guess, is the least. Then warning, and then what's the last one? Die. Danger. No, danger, right. <laughs> so I think this might have been warning. So there were some warning things on it, but it, but it said to look at the accompanying um, brochure that came with the product, and I lost it the first time. and Well, anyway, I read it. But it didn't answer all my questions. So, Gardener Supply, I th- I think the quality of their stuff is a little more consistent. They don't have as many directly, you know, organic products for pest control as Gardens Alive does. But I guess hearing my experience and hearing what you're saying, uh, it's it's worth what doing what I did, which was try it. Well, and maybe you ought to research into that about the viability of BT. I don't okay. know about, you I'll know, how long they that. live or, you know, how long it's effective. Or if you should store it in the refrigerator and things like that. Right, exactly. <laughs> or or what kind of, I wonder what kind of state it's in, because sometimes they say it's like spores, but it's a bacteria, so I don't know. Well, getting back to Amy's issue yeah. of crab apple, apple scab on her crab apple trees. Have you had any trouble with that with your crab apples? Are you familiar with that? I am familiar with that, especially have you ever gone to Hayax parking lot? Oh yes, Hayax is our fa- is my favorite deli in this the immediate locale. Well, they have crab apples planted right next to junipers, and they have the worst apple scab I've ever seen. But one thing that I've done here is I don't. I have some junipers and I have crab apples, and they're not close to each other because. Junipers are the alternate host for that. Ah, so disease. Amy, check out. Do you have some junipers near your crab apple? And it's not all junipers, but it's most junipers. Okay. So that's going to be a problem. But when you say not close, how far away should you plant? Well, the probably two? shouldn't even have them in the same state. But I'd say mine well, are probably garden. I know mine are probably they're at least fifty feet apart. I don't okay. know how it tra- okay. whether it goes through the air or what. I'm wondering about that. We'll have to look into that, too. But to get to the bottom line, I'd say to Amy, yes, try the organic product, and yes, get it from Gardens Alive. Because I don't even know who else would sell it, but you might find another source, too. But it's it's always best to go, you know, we're IPM enthusiasts, the integrated pest management, so the best thing to do is the least toxic approach first. And I don't know if there's some kind of home remedy one can use for this. I doubt it, seriously. But she could try the... The sulfur card? Yeah. Okay, cool. But again, Amy, look around and see if you've got any junipers, you know, within, what, oh, well, at 50 Hayex, feet of your crab apples? Yeah, at Hayex, they're next oh, to they're, each other. Oh, they're rubbing each other. <laughs> they're yes. touching each other. Yeah. And have you, have you ever seen those crab apples? Oh, by yeah. The end of oh, the I've noticed. Uh-huh. Okay, well, and, well, and we've talked about it before, too. Oh. Uh, so I, I hope that's helpful. I think we went around kind of around in, in a circle a little bit there. But uh, Gardens Alive is one of, the, one of the places where you can get the most organic products via mail order. Cool. So that's, that's our, our kind of circuitous answer. You know, when people start gardening, they want things to be instant, and they want things to be easy, and there's an attraction to the idea of, you know, anything fast, anything big. Life is too short, We have, and gardening is really, you know, it's a lifetime. It's like, we don't want to get the garden over in no time. We want to garden for forever. So uh, people are attracted to the idea of things like... Um, Cover your acreage in in a week. You know what I mean? 
<clears throat> yes, they want fast growing, um, fast coverage. Although I have noticed many catalogs and internet sites and garden literature, they're starting to be sensitive to that language and the invasive plant problem. Well, uh, that's for sure, because invasive plants, especially with global warming and everything, invasive plants are... Whew. But if you, have, if you have some kind of weed, like I have that new weed that has come because of global warming, I, it is my belief, because it is no longer killed by extra cold weather. Um, but if you, if you know something is going to be invasive, would you necessarily plant it intentionally? And uh, I, I bet a lot of people who saw flying dragons and hidden dragons and flying daggers thought, oh, bamboo. That's well, so beautiful. Well, it is beautiful. It is beautiful. But we don't have anything that sort of is a natural control for bamboo. And I don't think that pandas will do it, frankly. <laughs> but a lot of people are planting bamboo. And then they want to maybe get rid of bamboo. And bamboo is a really hard thing to get rid of. And I'm not sure even I can answer this. But when we come back from our break, I'm going to talk a little bit about the hazards of planting bamboo and also some bamboos that are not hazardous. So stay with us, please. It's Ken Drew's Real Dirt with Vicki Johnson. We'll be back in just about a, a minute or so. People who love gardening know that propagation is gardening itself, to grow whatever plant you want when you want it, plants to share with friends or dozens to fill your own beds and borders, all for free. Making more plants will help fulfill your most vivid garden dreams. Ken Drews, one of America's foremost gardening authorities, host of Ken Drews Real Dirt Radio, and author of the best-selling Natural Garden series, presents practical techniques for expanding every plant collection with helpful text and more than 500 full-color photographs. Based on years of personal research, Making More Plants is an essential manual as well as a beautiful garden book, presenting propagating techniques Ken has tested and adapted in step-by-step photography. Straightforward advice, gorgeous photographs, and Ken's own engaging voice all combine to make Making More Plants an indispensable guide for every passionate gardener and plant lover. Ken's books are available at your local library, independent bookseller, and on our website, realdirtradio.com. Hello and welcome back. Thank you for staying with us. If you're driving, drive carefully. If you're at home by your computer, have a pencil ready. Or if you're lucky enough, have a, have a Word document open because you never know. <laughs> you want to write down something. And Vicki, are you going to post the uh, Gardens Alive uh, links sure. or something? GardensAlive.com. <laughs> sure. I can, <laughs> I can put a link on that. You think people that. could remember that? And Gardener Supply. Mm-hmm. Sure, those are, be happy to. Those are places that we do visit. And uh, let's see, do, do you have, are you going to post Napalm R Us? No. Because uh, I think people might need it after I talk about what this, uh, our next segment. Uh, my name is Ken Drews, and I'm your host of Ken Drews Real Dirt. And I'm here with Vicki Johnson, as always, my Sancho Panza, my sidekick, my kick in the side. Thorn in the side is what I call oh, myself. Oh, thorn in the side. Uh-huh. Well, I, Vicki, I don't think you noticed an article in the Wall Street Journal since something that I don't that read don't. WJ. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, on, you're a, on initial terms with them, I guess. Yeah. Well, the headline was, Call the Pandas Bamboo Engulfs Defenseless Yard. And uh, the Wall Street Journal kind of thinks that they've discovered recently that bamboo is something that people may not want to plant but they tell the story of someone who's been who planted it and has been trying to get rid of it for like 10 years and trying all different things well, it seems like people have been talking about don't plant bam- don't plant bamboo for 10 years for 30 years i think but there's still people who plant it especially in in places like the carolinas and virginia and and the the bamboo that people mostly plant is uh, running bamboo. And there are two gigantic categories of bamboo. There's running bamboo, which are most of the hardier varieties, cold-tolerant varieties. And there's also clumping bamboo. Now, clumping bamboo is not such a big problem because, as it, just as it sounds, 
it clumps. It forms a clump, which could be a big clump, and in time, the clump could be in your living room. <laughs> but the running bamboo is the sprinting, running, racing bamboo. And the one that people mostly plant is Phyllostachys oreo sulcata, which is the yellow groove bamboo. And it's the one that sometimes used for fishing poles when kids had fishing poles made out of bamboo. But it it runs, and it's very difficult to get rid of. In fact, it might be impossible. And the article in the Wall Street Journal talks about backhoes removing all the soil from someone's yard three feet down to get rid of this stuff. So is this mostly in the southern half of the country? I mean, certainly I don't see a lot of that kind of invasive bamboo plantations up where we live. Well... There's one on the corner of 519. It's not that huge, It's though. not that huge. But it's not taking over the property. Give it time. I think and I, it's been there 15 years, about the same size. I think the w- one thing about bamboo that you can do is you can, when it emerges in the spring, you can actually just step on the combs. That's what they're called, the stems, when they're coming out of the ground. Actually, if you want, you can go out really early and you can get bamboo shoots and stir fry them. So the way that they control the bamboo down the street is just by mowing uh, and that's one way to control it, but that's not going to get rid of it. And in the Wall Street Journal article, I think they had somebody in Virginia and somebody in South Carolina, and I'm not sure. Well, if they mowed it religiously, maybe it would help. And in, in Barrington, Rhode Island, there's running bamboo at Blythewold Arboretum, and they control it by mowing it. But it's a huge patch. But in places where running bamboo, where, where the hardy varieties of running, of bamboo are running, there is one genus of bamboo that we can grow. And it doesn't grow as tall, and it doesn't grow as wide, and it doesn't grow as fast, and it doesn't grow as dangerously, vigorously, and they are all Fargesia. There's a few species of Fargesia. There's Fargesia nidida. There are also, some of them are shade tolerant, which is kind of nice. And I have seen these grow to mm, five feet tall, six feet tall. So they're not the giant... 20-foot-tall, dance-upon-the-top bamboo that you might see in a movie photographed in China. But we can grow varieties of that clumping bamboo, species and varieties of Fargesia. Now, in warmer climates, in the West Coast and some other places, there are some beautiful clumping bamboos. There's a, there's a yellow one with them with green horizontal stripes, and those are gorgeous. They will not take over your entire property, but we can't grow them in cold climates. People who are desperate for bamboo and must have bamboo and live in cold climates have to find ways to control bamboo. And I know that one of the bamboo nurseries, and there are a lot of nurseries that sell bamboo, recommend using plastic sheets, plastic, not film, plastic sheets that are buried in the ground. And these plastic sheets are about a half inch thick and three feet tall. But I've heard from other people that stainless steel works much better. Okay, so Ken, if you want, <laughs> I don't know of anything that has the look and the sound of bamboo that plant instead. I, you know, if you want, if you're that desperate to have bamboo, m- my suggestion: move. I mean, you know, that's move crazy. Move to China. Well, or some pla- you know, out west coast where you can have the cl- clumping varieties. Well, we have one, we have our one small clumping variety, Fargesia, but it, it's kind of get over it. You know, love the things that we can grow. Love well, the that's things- it. The people who who are so obsessed to have bamboo that they're going to buy half inch thick plastic sheets, blah blah blah, stainless steel, blah blah blah. It's like get over yourself. Really, that, you know, it's a, it's a level of selfishness that just—it's <laughs> a level of human arrogance that is out of control, and that's one of the things that we're against. But I think something that we could be a little helpful with is some people who might be naive, or they inherited bamboo when they bought well, their house. Good luck for those people. Sorry, they shouldn't have bought that house. But if somebody is—if you're thinking about planting bamboo, think about twice or think about a hundred times before you do this because you may never get rid of this plant. We're talking about the running types of bamboo. Or buy a backhoe at the same time. <laughs> so you can really? so you can weed it out. Well I went to a bamboo nurse, nursery once in the Washington DC area and when I raised my eyebrows about what they were selling, the owner said, 
What? Bamboo will not cross a river. But it will cross a road, and it'll come up through the asphalt. So fast, easy, instant. These are the danger words. Running, uh, invasive, overtaking. Cover your house in three weeks with a year-round blooming rose. Hmm. Or ladybugs in the mail. These are things that maybe you got to... If, it, if it's too good to... If it sounds too good to be true, maybe it is. But uh, I wish those people with the bamboo good luck. And this article, which is pretty interesting, pretty much at the end they said there's nothing you can do ex- except use a backhoe. This person had used 14 gallons of poison on it. They poured salt on it. They oh, that's did... really good for all the surrounding environment. I know, and they, and they had planted it. It wasn't just that they had inherited it. So They learned the hard way, and, and they're sad about it now. And that was in Pennsylvania, not well, too we, far Well, you us. know, I think all of us have a garden horror story of some sort of where we've met, brought in a plant we wish we hadn't. And that sounds like, you know, the monster story of the of the mistakes we make. That's a that's a good point that we've all made those mistakes and let's hope that we learn from our mistakes and uh learn from the mistakes that we're sharing with people on the radio. And uh I know you have a couple of ground covers that you want to talk about. Now these are not monster running ground covers, are they? Are they no, going to take no, over no, the no. world? No, 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 no. Can I move have to move your house? No, 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 no. Not at all. I don't know. Do we have time to start talking about them? How much time do we have left in this segment? I don't know. Oh. Some. Okay. Well, I can begin if you want. You want sure. me to start? Okay. Sure. Well, they're, they're ground covers that we have inherited from the herb garden. And um, I'm sorry. I got distracted there. Sorry for the dead air, guys. Anyway, um, we've inherited these beautiful and aromatic and well-behaved ground covers from the herb garden and i'm going to make a little noise here while i pull out my book and i'm dying to know what these are oh i know oh sorry anticipation well one is a time well lots of times i have several times in my garden but one is a very special one that i discovered by accident i haven't read about it it isn't well publicized as far as I know. And another one is an oregano that is difficult to get your hands on the right one, even with the Latin name. And I'll go into that in detail a little bit more. But I started my my research for this kind of plant. Well, I, I should say I ended up with these plants in my attempt to kind of create that... Oh, you know, replace lawn with low-growing, no, almost no-care kind of plants, you know, that kind of effort. Even though I wasn't going to be walking on these plants, I'm not sure any of the p- plants they say <laughs> to replace lawn with are those that you can trod on a lot, right, like right. we can lawn. But these two ground covers are vigorous without being invasive, weed-suppressing, again, which I absolutely love, and for me, the oregano will max out probably a single plant will when it's mature and gets plentiful water, which I would say is about an inch a week, um, will make a clump probably four or five feet across. But that's its maturity. It kind of stops when it does that. And it, get, and it can get to about 12 inches tall. Now, the... Oregano, everyone is familiar with from the herb garden that you will dry and gets dried and used in a lot of Italian recipes. That's actually a Greek oregano, and it can grow about 12 to 14 inches tall, and you definitely want to shear its flowers off because it can reseed itself kind of like in an, it can be a nuisance in the garden if you let it flower and go to seed. So this oregano that I'm in love with is actually a golden oregano. It's called Oregonum vulgari aureum. But you know what? Not every golden oregano is as good as this one. So when we come back in our next um, segment, I'll go into it a little bit more about where I got this plant and other ones I've tried that are labeled the same thing that don't perform as well. 
Well, you said uh, copious water just to get established because aren't these plentiful? Kind of I said plentiful. Yeah. Aren't they kind of drought tolerant a little bit too? Oh, they are. I'll okay. talk in more yeah, detail I'm about, hear about them. that too because th- that's one thing about lawn is that lawn is a water guzzler. So anything that we may not be able to walk on it, but anything that allows us to use less water is something that I'm very interested in. So I want to hear about that smelly oregano. And we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Ken Drew's Real Dirt with Vicki Johnson, The Garden Show, The Garden Radio Show, The Garden Podcast. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Vicki, and I wanted to remind you that Ken and I love getting mail. Your mail. So please write us at kendrewsrealdirt at yahoo.com with your questions, glowing praise, and yes, the occasional kind correction. And we will do our best to give correct, usable answers to any gardening questions you might have. That's kendrewsrealdirt at yahoo.com. K-E-N-D-R-U-S-E. R-E-A-L-D-I-R-T. No dots, no underscores, no hyphens. Ken Drew's Real Dirt at Yahoo.com. Join co-host Vicki Johnson and me on Ken Drew's Real Dirt. I'm your host. We talk, we laugh, sometimes rant about gardening and the gardening life. Ken Drew's Real Dirt is a show about great plants, good fresh food, pets and wild critters, both welcome and not so welcome, and the health of the earth we live on. Ken Drew's Real Dirt, the garden show, makes living with plants more fun. So tune in to Kendrew's Real Dirt, the gardening show right here on WHDDFM with premiere episodes every Saturday at 8 a.m. and encore broadcasts on Sunday at noon and Monday at 8 p.m. Hello and thank you for staying with us. It's Kendrew's Real Dirt. I'm your host, Kendrew's. I'm the author of 16 books on gardening and soon to be 17. I feel pregnant. (laughs) I'm I'm on the verge. (sighs) My contractions are getting closer and closer. No, 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 no. And I'm joined by Vicki Johnson, garden author, garden writer, garden editor. and uh, Well, I don't have a book to my credit. No, but you've edited. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm not a... Technically, I'm not an author. Oh. I haven't published a book. Who writes your columns? Ah, well, Gardner, I get isn't author imply book? I don't know. I don't want to waste time. No, you know, because we that, have these smelly I have a ground lot to covers. Share. Yes, <laughs> I left everybody hanging about this golden oregano, and I apologize for that. My brain is a little bit scattered today. But um, one thing I wanted to share about the name oregano, it's Greek. We had that discussion last in last week's show about that scientific or the horticultural or the botanical name of plants, it isn't always Latin. A lot of times it's Greek. And this week, Oregonum vulgari, that is Greek, and it means joy of the mountain. Oros meaning mountain, ganos meaning joy. Isn't that cool? Yeah, but what does vulgari mean? Vulgari, vulgar, I guess. I don't know. It means common, that's all. Common, Mm okay. Okay. Vulgar, common. Hmm, interesting how words get morphed. Okay, so I was c- talking about Oregonum vulgari aureum. Now, the plants that I have that I love, that grow to the, des- the way I described, I bought from a wholesale nursery called Beds and Borders, which is located on the east end of Long Island, and they deliver, I think, to most of the east coast, but it is wholesale only. And so you'd have to call them up to, or go on their website and, and find out where their plants are sold if you wanted to buy them, you know, as a just retail. But I'm not convinced that that's the full entire name of the plant that I'm describing because when I have gone to other nurseries to attempt to buy more of these plants without ordering them wholesale myself directly from Beds and Borders, I looked at the plant and I went, I'm not sure this is it. But when it's little in a four-inch pot, you're not sure, you know, because it was a couple of years since I bought the ones from Beds and Borders. But anyway, I bought a couple of plants named Golden Oregano, and sure enough, there was the botanical name, Oregonum vulgari arium, but they are not the same. They are very small. They do not make a nice wide and high clump. They are very bright yellow. This or Uh, This oregano that I'm describing that I do like that makes the bigger clump and grows about 12 inches tall when it's got plentiful moisture and 
is, you know, very, very at its maturity. Um, it, if it's not got full sun or when it's cold, it's more green than gold. And when it's hot and sunny, that's when it takes on its brilliant yellow color. So I think Beds and Borders might have left off a cultivar name or selection name. I think this might be a selection. Or maybe it's a marjoram, which is technically an it's another oregano. Marjoram and oregano are part of the same genus. So anyway, it's hard for me to tell you how to track down mm. this. I will put it's pictures. A mystery. Of, yes, I will pick, put pictures of it on our website, which we have not said yet. It's realdirtradio.com. And if you would like to write us to comment, to give us corrections, to give us glowing, wonderful praise, which of course we love, or to ask a question, you can reach us at kendrewsrealdirt at yahoo.com. That's K-E-N-D-R-U-S-E-R-E-A-L-D-I-R-T at yahoo.com. And I'm sorry that you've had to wait so long to hear that. But again, this is a fabulous plant I, it is very drought tolerant, as Ken was asking me at the end of the last segment. Yes, once established. So the first year that I planted it, I gave it plentiful water um, every week. And now I can just leave it alone, and it's continuing to spread. I no longer have to water it um, weekly to have it grow into its mature state, but it takes longer. My friend Susan, who is religious, a religious waterer of her <laughs> herb garden has these massive clumps and I am actually inheriting more of this plant from her as she you know she doesn't have room for it to be four or five feet wide so that's why she keeps thinning it out and giving me her thinnings now the other plant that I would call a wonderful ground cover that is drought tolerant once established beautiful but different in two different seasons and evergreen is a thyme. Now, I don't know its full botanical name. I've never seen a label where it gives me its full botanical name. I could probably Google it. But the way I hunted it down, because here's how I inherited thyme, archer's gold. That's the cultivar name or selection name. It's in single quotes. I bought I, I knew I wanted some times. I wanted to cover an area with a variety of times. I went to one of our wonderful local nurseries, Glenbrook Nursery, here in Sussex County. We, we're lucky. We have lots of wonderful local nurseries. But I went there. They, he had several different for, uh, varieties, <laughs> cultivars, of thyme. And I bought three different ones. And I planted them on raised mounds in full sun in my garden. And... Not all of them were labeled. You know, I didn't make sure I took pots that had their labels in them. And this one time that I bought, I thought, oh, I bet this is a lemon thyme because even though it's green, it has that yellow tinge to it. Where you, but I plucked the leaves and there was no citrus scent to it. And I went, okay, this isn't lemon thyme. All right, it's a different one. Then this fabulous thing happened. In late fall, it turned colors. It turned into a Persian carpet of colors. There was bronze, there was yellow, there was deep dark green, there was even a red, oh what kind of red? A a a rich dusty red, not a, a magenta red. Well that's the word, Ken. You're better about it. You mean like wine? Or? Well, a little dustier than that. But anyway, when you see the picture that I post on the website, you'll see. It's incredible. And so I thought, holy cow, I want more of this because I want a nice carpet of this time. It's like, but how am I going to know? And I went back to my receipt, and Glenbrook Nursery has this wonderful computer system where his, the, the register receipt lists the name of the plants, all, all the plants that you bought that day. So I went back to my records. I pulled out that, and I Archer's Gold. I Googled it, and I could not find a picture of this plant doing what it was doing in my garden. And I thought, okay, I'm going to wait until next spring. I bet it changes when the weather warms and the sun, you know, gets more sunlight. I bet it changes. And sure enough, it did. It looks like lemon time again. So I uh, 
I now believe for sure that it's Archer's Gold, and I actually found online someone who describes Archer's Gold doing the Persian carpet thing that mine did, but nobody, even the place that I found, nobody raves about it. It's gorgeous. It's wonderful. So in the summer, is it green with a little yellow edge? No, I would say it's a chartreuse green. Oh. Lemon thyme, you know, most lemon thymes do have that kind of yellow edge that you're describing. Mm. This is more like a chartreuse green. It's a bright green with yellow overtones. I need this plant. Yeah, well, it's right down the street. <laughs> you okay. can fi- get it from him. And actually, excuse me, one of our other favorite nurseries up in near High Point, New Jersey, Fair Acres Farms. I was going to say Richard's, but no, the name of the nursery is Fair Acres Farm, and Richard is the fellow who, who is the the plant nut there. And when he brought in his herbs, and and I was looking at it, and I saw a label Archer's Gold, so I snagged, you know, a couple a couple more pots of it, so that because, well, oh right, Glenn was sold out of it, out of oh, the yeah. out of the big pots. Glenn sells big pots. So Richard had little pots of it. But anyway, you know, it's a bright green thyme. It it smells good. I don't know if it tastes good or not. I have a I have another thyme that I have closer to the kitchen door that I snag for cooking. And there is a secret about thyme. Oh, I put my book away. I wanted to quote what Rodale's Illustrated Encyclopedia of Herbs says about thyme. And it is actually something I've learned by watching Jamie Oliver's cooking show on the Food Network. When in doubt, use thyme. That's the herbal rule of thumb offered for confused cooks by Grassroots Herb Society newsletter. You know what? And this is an old book. And it's something that we newbie cooks. I call myself a newbie cook because I didn't really get into cooking until about 15 years ago. But not just winter winter soups and stews thyme is something that you can use as almost with as great frequency as i would say you might use a chive or garlic it adds a subtlety of flavor it expands flavor much in the same way italian cooks might throw a cherry tomato in a dish that is not based on tomatoes but the glutamates that are in tomatoes you know give you more mouth feel and and provides a depth and you, and you may not even know what why that depth of flavor is there, I'm starting to discover. Because it seems like Jamie Oliver, the famous British wunderkind cook, seems like he throws time in everything. And I went, this is getting a little (laughs) ridiculous, surely. But you know what? I'm starting to realize, because my favorite lemon chicken recipe, which I've shared with Ken, and you've raved about when you cooked it yourself, Mm -hmm. that has a lot of time in it. Well, you know, I wonder if it's something that I've seen, I think, like a sorbet with thyme once or twice, maybe like grapefruit thyme or something. I, I wow. Would, I can w- see how that could work. Yeah, I think maybe there's a future for sweets with thyme, something to to experiment with. Absolutely. You know, lavender is, is finding its way into sorbets, so you never know. Oh. It's true, it's true. I think that, I think that or, oregano was a margarine. That's what I think. Well, we'll find out. And if you want to know, tune in to us, Kendra's Real Dirt, next week.